with so much going on in the world and so many of the different avenues of entertainment able to constantly pry away minutes from our lives hourglass, it should come as no surprise that this religious group of people have become the hardest to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Good Fight Radio Show. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the religion of apathy, a very, very important topic because of our need to get the gospel out to those who seemingly do not care. So to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Incredibly important subject. I mean, we ran across that, especially here in the United States, because of the affluence that's out here. Everybody has their needs met with a, a click on Amazon or just whatever, and they don't see the need for Christ. And it's our job, as you know, it's, it's been said, a pastor's role is to uh, comfort the afflicted, but to afflict the comfortable. And I like that saying because it's so true. And uh, we need to uh, comfort the afflicted and those who need Christ and show Christ to them. And believers that are afflicted and go through trials, love them. But those who are comfortable in their sin, they need to recognize their consciences need to be resurrected. They need to be afflicted and recognize the dire strait they're in because uh, we live, our lives are but a vapor, man. And people are going to stand before God and go to one place or another for all eternity. So heaven or hell. So Chad, this is a very important subject. I'm glad we're tackling this on witnessing to the apathetic. Amen. And when you look at this topic, and and Joe, I guess we could be right alongside there as well, you think about, and hopefully for maybe our audience as well, of how you came to Christ. What was it that shook you out of the depths that you were in? Because I'm sure, just as with myself and, and many of you guys, when you were in the depths of your sin, Satan wanted you to be comfortable in it in a lot of different ways. He wanted you to just ride that down exactly where you were at and, you know, I, I I think about this, Joe, because I, I think about so often we've talked about celebrities and so forth and how some of these celebrities like Shia LaBeouf talked about the God-sized hole that was in his heart. He would fill it if he could. Or guys like Tom Brady crying their eyes out, you know, like, I wish I could. Uh, why am I not happy? I get all these Super Bowl rings. And you just kind of look down at it and you see that. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? But you also have the group of people that are chasing after those people. Yeah. And so they're trying, everyone is finding fulfillment somehow. And some are finding it by ch the chase and all of that. And I looked at it and I remember seeing, and it was a meme. And it, I, I thought of a, a friend of mine. But then thinking about his life, it made me sad because what the meme had said on it was, if you think your life is really bad, know that somebody from your hometown is still trying to make it as a rapper, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not going to lie, I chuckled a little bit, but I thought, wow, that's true. And it breaks my heart because even the people that are in it, they're going for the next high. Like the, the, the you sure. know, the rapper, whatever it may be, they're just going for that next high, whether it's if I hook up with this girl or literal high, or it's if I sell this many albums and this many records or whatever it may be, Spotify numbers go up. Yeah. But they're living that and still finding no contentment. And then you have people chasing after them, wanting that contentment. Yeah. The irony. And that's what they're passionate about. 
They're passionate about that, but apathetic towards the things of God, the things that actually matter. And I'm sure we all have to think about what's the thing that shook you up and how can we shake some other people up as well? Yeah, and I think that's a great point you make there, Chad, because we can reference how did how did I get shaken enough to where I repented and came to Christ? And and I know for me personally, uh, was recognizing that I was under spiritual attack. I was blinded by the evil one. He was very real, very real in my life. And I realized, man, I'm under the power of Satan, you know? So, uh, and I think we need to let people in this ministry has a very, you know, one of the one of the main emphases in this ministry that you don't see in a lot of ministries, and that's why I think it's so important is, you know, we're built on uh, the scriptures about fighting the good fight. You know, we're built on Christ. But as far as ministry philosophy, we 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 buy in full-heartedly into what Jesus and Paul taught about spiritual warfare and and Paul saying, fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life. There, there's a spiritual war that we're in. And uh, the Greek word for fight, you know, is the word for, we get agon, which is where the gladiators were. And we have to fight uh, spiritually. And where Ephesians 5.11, they have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And it's when enemy, the enemy was exposed in my life. Like, think of how many millions and millions and millions of people are motivated when they realize they've got health problems or they better change their diet and hopefully they get motivated, right? Uh, or they're going to die, you know? It motivates them to where you have, you know, hundreds of millions of people, hundreds of millions on YouTube and so forth, watching videos, millions making videos and what have you. And people are aware, man, you got to be serious about certain things. Well, we need to let people know, make them aware of a spiritual war. And that there's a spiritual reality. And we're able to do that through Scripture. A lot of these folks in the world have had spiritual experiences but didn't know how to make heads or tails of them. When I went through my spiritual experiences before Christ, I recognized that Satan was very, very real. Uh, so when we start to, one of the ways we love to witness is to show them that there's spiritual darkness. And we're able to show that through our videos. They sold their souls for rock and roll. Uh, the videos, exposés we've done on Marvel and on Kinsey, um, the Submerged Church, all kinds of different videos. But to the world, we've made a lot of them for the world. So they would wake up, and for the church, so they'd be protected. Uh, because the Bible says, and I love that about Ephesians 5.11, and why this is very good for the apathetic. Because a person that doesn't know that they have a heart condition, and they're going to die, then becomes aware of it. All of a sudden, they get on the treadmill, or they're out there running, or they're doing whatever, they're eating better. Yep. The person that becomes aware that there's a spiritual assault on their very souls, which we exposed to the Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and other videos, uh, Chad, you're one that got converted through that video. They sold their souls for rock and roll. Many, many people, thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ through that. And that's because we project God's word on what's going on. And they see there's a spiritual war. Because in Ephesians 5.11, it says, have no fellowship with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We're called to expose them. I like to point out if, in, in, Rome, in uh, John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11 there, Jesus talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to leave, but he's going to come and he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness, of judgment. And he's going to be witnessing to the world through us. And the word convict right there means convince. And it's the same Greek word that Paul uses that's translated expose for us, our command, expose the works of darkness. We actually are walking in the spirit when we, in Christ and in love, expose the works of darkness. And the Bible says in Revelation 22, 17, that the spirit and the bride, that's the church, work collectively together and the Spirit of the Bride say, come, and whoever is thirsty, let him come. And so that's the cry of the Spirit, to not only call people to come, but to let them know, you need to forsake, you need to leave the darkness. So, And then he says, as you know, Chad, we love this passage, because when he says to uh, expose the deeds of darkness, then he says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine in your... bring light upon you, he'll shine yeah. in your heart, right? So we're able to wake people up from a dead, apathetic state. 
by exposing the works of darkness and pointing them to Jesus. Amen. And, you know, when I was thinking about just apathy as a whole and exactly what you're talking about, exposing those deeds of darkness, because so many people, they're, they just live it. They're just, yeah. it's so inundated. It is the milieu. It's what is everywhere around them. And so trying to shake them and say, no, 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 like th- this is not what God has planned for you. This is not how God Amen. designed it. This is not, you're not supposed to be doing this. Oh, you know, and because look at it, look at pornography. Oh, well, everyone does it, right? I, I can't tell you. I've talked to parents who be like, yeah, my, I saw my kid doing this and oh yeah, well, everyone does it. And you're like, no, yeah. uh, you, are That's you kidding me? right there. They're all a hundred percent. And it's apathy. Sadly, it's apathy towards wickedness, towards yeah. sin. We just all just turn a blind eye to it. Guys, there's an entire book in the Old Testament about apathy, ultimately. And I think that is the book, uh, the prophet Haggai. And I was reading through Haggai. It's only two chapters. It doesn't take long. You know, if you want to do do some reading, but they're content with where they're at. You know, they're content. Everything's just fine. You know, well, we're, we're excited because, you know, we're getting our stuff back We're you know, everything's yeah. just fine. They got their nice boarded up houses, right? The Israelites. Because remember, when you look at the timeline of the Old Testament, a lot of the separation of time has to do with the tabernacle time, the first temple, the second temple period, right? And so these guys are doing just fine out on out in the land in boarded up houses, and they need to be shaken. Like, yeah. no, 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 wait a second. What are you doing for your God? And in fact, verse four in chapter one, there's only two chapters. It says, is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses? While this house lies desolate, the house of the Lord. And then he tells them, and it's funny because what we were just talking about here, then he tells them, look at all this. You don't actually have it so good. And in verses 9 through 11, he says, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate. That's right. And it's like, hey, you think this is all good and everything's fine, but you're forgetting all about me. Absolutely. You're forgetting about what's going on with the Lord. And that should break our hearts that people yeah. are just forgetting about the Lord. And by the way, I think this is a great book to read from the Old Testament because the church needs to be shaken up on some of this stuff. Like Absolutely. you look at your giant, beautiful house, look at everything you got going. You got the American dream, but not the Christian dream, which is to bring more people to know Jesus. Amen, and it's like, let's shake some people. That's but right. Use the same methods that God used to shake the the, the Jews there, that's the southern tribe there that's going to retur- be returned. And he's shaking them by way of saying, hey, it's not as good as you think it is. And it's not that way because guess what? You're not actually following the Lord. Yeah, he's a great example there. When you said an Old Testament book, my I was surmising, which Old Testament book is he going to? And that's a really good example because, yeah, they were enjoying their homes, coming back from captivity, and they needed to be, you know, awakened to the causes of God. And so a lot of believers, so it's kind of, I like what you're doing there because it's not just the world that's apathetic. So much of the church is apathetic. And, and, and I, but I thought you might go to Judges. I thought, hmm, maybe. Oh, going. yeah, that's good because too. Because <laughs> Judges, it says yeah. over and over again, they were doing what was right in their, their own, own eyes yeah. and they were apathetic. They forgot the law. They were doing their own thing. A lot like our country today. But I thought, that's a great book too. And Haggai is amazing. But I thought, wow, it's kind of interesting because when you think of Judges, the way the Lord woke them up, and they became so indifferent. You had a Levite who's supposed to be a man of God from the tribe of Levi, a, the priestly tribe, and he is hooking up with a concubine, which is his girlfriend. Something's wrong with that right away. And then she <laughs> forsakes him, leaves him, and she's with another man. So she's in adultery. And it's a, that refrain that appears over and over again. Everybody's doing what was right in their own eyes. Even the Levitical priest was. She, and then she ends up with pops, and he goes and chases her down. And, and then 
he's leaving with her and then a, a Benjamite going through the land of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes. The guy goes, hey, why don't you guys spend the night here? And they do. And then a big mob appears at the door and says, hey, let, send that guy out here. We want to have sex with him. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? You're like, wow, that's like a same thing going on there. That's when people are given over such a depraved mind. And what happens is they won't, the guy's not going out. They get a hold of the woman and they gang rape her just repeatedly all night long. And then he opens up the door in the morning and there she is at the threshold of the door dead. And then he's apathetic. I mean, this guy's not living for God. All of a sudden, God uses that to wake him up, man. You need to get right with God. Look at what sin does. And it's so pathetic and it's so sick. But he recognizes the tribes of Israel are all messed up. They're all apathetic. So he does something incredibly gruesome. He chops her up into 12 pieces. I know it's crazy. She's the corpse. She's dead already. Into 12 pieces. And he sends each one piece with a letter to each of the 12 tribes. And he says, what's wrong with us, basically? I'm paraphrasing. What are we going to do about this? And all the 12 tribes get together and go, look how wicked we are. Or the Benjamites are. And what's going on here? Everybody except the tribe of Benjamin, of course. And then they marshal their troops. They send a bunch of men down to Benjamin and Chad. You know the story. Uh, uh, and if you don't know the story, this is a good story to know. If you do know it, I'm just kind of, you know, uh, bringing in remembrance of something that's very important. They asked for the men who raped that woman and killed her. And the men of Benjamin, they refuse. Yeah. And they go to war. And it's like, I think 600 men from the Benjamites are killed, man. They're wiped out. And it's like, Wow. And then they get a hold of those men and they execute every one of those men that had raped her. And God used that situation. Talk about somebody, oh, should you guys really be exposing the works of darkness? <laughs> Talk about exposing the works of darkness. Yeah. We've never done anything and we never will on that level. Okay, no. We yeah. just say, hey, look at what these guys are doing. Turn to Jesus. And this was so brutal. And But you know what we do do? We point to Jesus because God used that situation to wake them up from their apathy, at least for a time, right? Well, another body was cut up, was brutalized more than any man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. So I love to point people to the cross because when you look at the cross and you see what Jesus went through, Chad, that's the wrath that we deserve. And you let them know, you know what? Jesus was more marred than any man. He was so beat up. And you point people to the cross and that shows that, and the cross shows the love of God. We always talk about that. But it also shows the hatred that God has towards sin. And he punished sin, he punished his son, to pay for our sins because sin had to be punished. It's either all of us dying for our sins. I just did a message a while back. Uh, you can check it out. And you'll see a cup in the, the word cup in the uh, title, uh, talking about which cup are you going to drink? Because Jesus said, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That's the cup of wrath. Revelation 14, it says, a cup of wrath will be poured out and they'll have torment day and night forever and ever. Jesus took the hell that we deserved on the cross. Mm -hmm. Tormented, right? Tortured. He, it was dark, like well, hell's darkness. It was dark for three hours, but that was God's wrath upon him. He said, I thirst. The rich man's thirsty in hell. Give me a little drop of water. You know, my, there's, there's loneliness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All that fell on Jesus. And when we recognize what Jesus went through, believers, man, that should wake all of us up. Look what he did for me. Because the Bible says, he that's forgiven much loves much. And we love him because he first loved us. So I love to look to the cross to get motivated, like, wow, look at what sin does. Expose it. Tell people to turn from it. It breaks God's heart. And they better repent of it or they're going to be have the cup of wrath forever. But look at the love of God that he accepted the cup of wrath on our behalf. He was cut up, not for 
Just And that wasn't sent to the 12 tribes. That's for the world. So we can look to him and be motivated to turn from our sins and love Jesus. So I think you point people to the cross. And there you see the love of God, the wrath of God, and then you draw a line to them and say, you know, which cup are you going to drink? Because he offered the cup of forgiveness through communion, which is a picture of the salvation that he has purchased for you if you embrace him on the cross. Or will you accept the cup of wrath? We just need to get real with people and let yeah. them know what really happened and that people need to repent. No, amen. And, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of Ezekiel, and it is very interesting because when you're reading through Ezekiel, and, I mean, you're you're seeing the judgment first going to the household of Israel. I'm going to show you greater abominations, greater abominations. Yeah. Look at all these terrible things that are going on. And then you're going to see the judgment of the nations, yeah. right? After all of that, like 23 chapters just about until you get to the judgment of the nations, and then you're, you, the nations are going to be judged. But over and over again, when this is taking place, and this is why we talk about apathy and how it's related, so that you will know I am the Lord. When he judges Israel, when yeah. he judges the nation, yeah. when he judges his own people. So why is he doing that? Oh, he's, you know, he's just me. No. So you'll know I'm the Lord. I'm not just going to sit up here and put up with this forever. Even with the Canaanites, whatever it may be, it's like 400 years he allowed that until his wrath was full and it was time to pour it out because he is not, and this brings us back to what, what the Bible actually says, he's not slow concerning his promise of coming back for us. He's patient, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And when you see him saying, these judgments are going to come, why? Oh, just because he likes giving out judgment. No, so you will know he is the Lord. And guess what? And think about this with my 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 great brother. He's down in Mexico. They just, just saw a video of him witnessing recently. My brother, uh, Nathan Jones. And if you know the name Jones, uh, maybe you've heard of Jonestown. And Nathan Jones yeah. is the grandson of the cult leader, Jim Jones. Yeah. And But he loves Jesus, man. He loves Jesus. And the way he was shaken up out of his apathy, because yeah. he himself was engaging in drugs. And we'll have him on the next time he visits. Maybe we'll throw him in the studio and... and have him tell the testimony. Doing but a lot of great work with Jonathan at Blessed Hope, Mexico. And in, in down in Blessed Hope, Ensenada, he's down he's there. preaching there right now in preaching Spanish. He's Spanish really quick. In Spanish, that's right. And I remember Joe, he came to a Wednesday night study. He was up there and you said, hey, Chad, get this guy's number. You got yeah. to try to try to minister this guy. I went out to lunch with him and he's yeah. talking and telling his story. Find out that, you know, he, he got into drugs. His father was into drugs mm-hmm. and so forth. His father was on the basketball team that the yeah. mother put them on to get them out of there because they knew everyone in Jonestown yeah. was going to die. When all those people were poisoned by Jim Jones, he's... The congressman came with... Sur- the, with survived, yeah. And, and his dad survived alongside other brothers. They're actually adopted Jones, became Joneses. Yeah. And so that's the, they got saved by the mother because they would all yeah. have been dead. And that's the only reason I'm sitting there with Nathan across from me. Yeah. And what shook him and got him to that place before he came here to receive the word was the fact that his dad, who he was with, died yeah. right there in front of his yeah. own eyes. And I'm sitting there across from him. His dad had died a couple weeks before. That's right. And he's telling me this, but I'm like, man, t- the fact that God still used that, that sounds yeah. like terrible. Your own father dying in your arms. Yeah. It sounds absolutely horrendous. But God used that to it was shake a wake him. wake-up call for him, yeah. And, and, and when we read from Ezekiel, when we read Haggai talking about these things, guys, that shaking, sometimes that's a great thing. And, yeah. I, and I think of Psalm 73 when the Psalm of Asaph, when he's crying out and he's like, oh, look, they're fat. They get to eat all they want. Not a bad thing. He's saying it's a good thing, yeah. right? There's no pain in their death. Like he's going hyperbole, right? This is just terrible. He said, until I saw 
the truth that God sets their feet. It was not until he stood in the sanctuary of God yeah. and realized, wait a second, God sets Psalm their feet on slippery places. Right, and Chad, that's Isaiah 26, 9 also. That's Psalm 73, 73. but uh, then he recognized, yeah, the end of the wicked. Amen. But he said, Lord, let, though my heart may fail, Lord, you're my portion forever. Amen. And he got right. But I, on Isaiah, uh, the passage I just referenced, it says, the judgments of the Lord are brought into the earth so that the nations are the people of the world, NIV, so the nations will learn righteousness. righteousness amen. And that's what goes down in the book of Revelation, man. God pours all these judgments, and many people don't repent. It says they repented not to give God glory. But uh, we do see some, thankfully, in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, that give glory to God uh, when the two witnesses are, are raised. Uh, but it's interesting. It's important that we show the judgment of God because people are apathetic, and they'll see what's going on with other people. And everybody's playing the blame game, you know, the woke crowd, and oh, it's this, and this, and this. And... Jesus was dealing with some people there in Luke chapter 13. Remember that, Chad? And they were playing that oh, kind yeah. of Amen. game. And well, <laughs> thinking, and Jesus says, you suppose the Galileans were more wicked than everybody else because they were talking about how Amen. Pilate spilled their blood and so forth. And Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So we're talking to people and they're talking about what's going on in the world. It's important. I love what Jesus did. He's a great example to us there as people that are looking at everybody else. A lot of the Jews were self-righteous, Pharisees, Sadducees. He brings it back home. And I love that about Jesus over and over again. He's like, he says it twice in a row, verse three and verse five of Luke 13. Uh, Except you repent, you all likewise perish. So people want to talk about certain things. Even if, if they, even if they're debating you on a theological issue and they're not a believer, in the end, talk about, hey, where are you going when you die? You're going to stand before God. And because God brings his judgments in the earth that they might learn righteousness, it's critical that we point to things like the flood. We have a creation witness there's shells on the highest mountains, guys, and the flood was a picture of the ultimate judgment to come. Or we point to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I'm going to Israel again pretty soon, and I think this, next time I'm there, I had a, uh, a a couple pieces of sulfur from Sodom. That you, There's sulfur all over there, guys, and there's no volcanoes there. They don't know how it got there. We know how it got there. It's all over. It's, it was torches, an everlasting witness, so to speak, eternal thought, uh, witness of eternal fire, as you say, says, yeah. in the book of Jude. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start, when I go witnessing, you know, carry a piece of sulfur with me. Say, you know where I got this? From Sodom and Gomorrah. And because it's his judgments that in the world that bring, that, that turn people to righteousness. So I think that's important. Uh, and pointing out not just that, I wrote down a couple things like point out, uh, you know, just personal things. You can point to people, personal things they may be going through. A lot of people don't realize because they don't talk about in the media because it's hush-hush because Satan doesn't want people to think about it. But the Bible tells us very clearly that uh, the consequence of sexual sin in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he that sins sexually, it says sins against his own body. Yeah. This is verses 15 through 20 there. In Romans chapter 1, uh, it says that men who have sex with other men, they receive in their bodies the due penalty of their perversion. Think of HIV and the host of other sexually transmitted diseases that some that are germane just among, uh, for the most part, among the homosexual community. And you're able to say, hey, these things, these are at, at epidemic STDs in general, herpes, syphilis. And no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk and about no it. No one wants to talk because about it. Because guess what? Like one in four or one in five people have these diseases. So you can talk. Just HPV, one H, in four. One yeah. in four, just HPV. I mean, it's just through the roof. And so you can talk to people and say, hey, you know, there's consequences to living wicked lives. To make them aware now that there's, there's actually things that have rhyme and reason regarding wrong living and righteous living and how God created us two to become one flesh and the marriage beds undefiled. So you can go from the, the, you can go to Israel. Look, Israel ceased to be a nation. 
They rejected Christ. He said they'd be, there'd be a dispor. They'd be dispersed throughout all the nations after they rejected him. The temple would be destroyed. That all happened. That's judgment. So you point out the judgments that take place that you're able to point to and say, this is Bible prophecy. You're able to say, and you're able to, you can just really witness very strongly. We had a, a deal, Chad, where we talked about using prophecy to witness, right? Mm-hmm. And you could use prophecy as a great witness and look what happened to Israel. But then you could say, hey, that's going to happen to you as well. Because in Revelation 20, just as all these other prophecies are fulfilled, this is what I do sometimes. I'll share people with people in the streets. These prophecies have been fulfilled. And guess what? There's another prophecy to be fulfilled. That's Revelation 20, 11 through 15. <laughs> Everybody's going to stand before God and Amen. give an account. And whoever's name's not written in the book of life is thrown in the lake of fire. And you know how you get in the book of life and who's not in the book of life? And you'll be judged out of the books. If you're not in the book of life, the books are open. You're judged for the deeds that you did. Well, you deserve damnation like I do. We all do. So I'll plead with them in that way, Chad, by letting them know and making it personal with them. Now you're, so prophecy is important. Hell is very important. Uh, you know, as we've talked about, you know, Jesus talked about hell. He referenced hell. When you look up with the word hell in the concordance versus the word heaven and Jesus' words and throughout the gospels, you'll see Jesus references and speaks about hell uh, far more times than he references heaven. And that's for reason, because he wants to keep people from there. Of course, we talk about both. I mean, we just did a several month study yeah. in he- on heaven in Revelation 22 and 23. So I think using all those examples, Chad, are very important. No, and it's important too. And and Joe, putting piggybacking on your Luke 13 reference there, because not only do you see Jesus calling them out, like, okay, you see all these things. He wasn't ignorant of those things either, by the way. And what I love is put that next to how Nathan the prophet reached David, where you put together these scenarios, these situations, and you give them a, you are the man. That's right. Like ultimately, when it comes to all of these things, and I'm just giving you examples of, hey, this is what I hear when I'm out on the streets witnessing, whether it's they cannot stand Donald Trump or Joe Biden, depending upon which line you know they're they're on and you could talk about those things and be be knowledgeable on those things but then ultimately bring it back to guess what you are the man too because there is a judge and he is a righteous judge and so he is going to judge this sin not just the sin of donald trump not just the sin of joe biden but he is going to judge each and every person's sin and Ecclesiastes, as it says, I love Ecclesiastes because you get to see the vision of what it looks like when you're looking at things from an earthly perspective to from a heavenly perspective. And he says, this is a man who wrote how many Proverbs wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, wrote a song called the song of all songs, right? This is a man who could write. And he says, when everything's been written with everything has been said, ultimately fear God and keep his commands because God is going to bring everything under judgment. And as Joe said, if cutting up pieces of a woman sounds terrible, they cut up our Savior, so that we could be saved. Amen. Amen, Chad. And since you brought up Ecclesiastes, it made me think of Ecclesiastes 3, where it says, and you can tell this to people, hey, you know, he says it's better to go to a funeral, the house of mourning in the King James, than it is to a party. Because it's at a funeral, he says, that you learn to reckon your days and, and you bring to mind that you're going to face God in judgment. Uh, so you you can talk to people. Hey, you know, the Bible says it's actually, just ask a question, you know, the Bible says it's actually better to go to a funeral than a, than a party. You know, how many people get saved at a party? It's not, I mean, some of you did. Well, praise God, you know. But more people get saved uh, in in the face of their trial than they do on a roller coaster, unless it's a really bad roller coaster and you feel like you're going to die. But uh, And it's there that you learn that your days are short. In fact, I love to talk to people when I'm witnessing about the brevity of life. And now uh, I do that at funerals a lot. 
and emphasize to people that they have an expiration date and that life goes really quick. In fact, I point out scriptures like this, Psalm 39, 4. Oh, Lord, make me know my end. You know what it's going to be like? And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting they are. I am. Or Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of understanding. Or James 4, 14, that your life is but a vapor, it appears for a moment, and then is gone. Or Psalm 144, 4. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Or Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know uh, what a day may bring. And then I love this one, Psalm 39, 5. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. Handbreadths, very small. He's made them just a few. And then he says something really interesting. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. That, that blows me away. Uh, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. One breath. So, But compared to God being from eternity to eternity, our lifespans are like nothing. They're like so infinitesimally short. And I like to short point to people like, you're in this infinitesimally short life compared to all of eternity. And you're going to spend all eternity somewhere. You need to make sure you take that little speck of life you got right now to get right with Jesus. And then sometimes I'll tell them about the guy who said, hey, I'm retired. Jesus talked about, I'm going to build this barn. I'm going to put all these things in this barn and eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I die. And Jesus said, that night that guy died. He said, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And I encourage people, man, you need to get right with Jesus today. Tomorrow, you're not promised tomorrow, man. Get right with him now and preach the love of God and the fear of God and shake people out of the apathy by crying out to them and having passionate hearts because you're prayed up and you have a, a love for souls that Jesus died for. We Amen. love you guys. Amen. God bless you guys. Praise God for you. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.